Welcome to the Build Your Future podcast. Hi, my name is Gabe Isaac, and here is my co-host, Laura McFarland. We are the IPAC, or the Indigenous Projects and Apprenticeship Coordinators here at JEDI, and this week we have ourselves a special uh, guest speaker. Wade Wheaton. And Wade, where are, what do you do, where do you work? I presently work for Apprenticeship and Occupational Certification. Awesome. Uh, before we get started with more questions for Wade, I would just like to do a quick land acknowledgement. Just before we get started, I'd like to acknowledge that the Jedi Office is located in the traditional unceded territory of the Wallistaque Maliseet people. This territory and all of New Brunswick are covered by the Treaties of Peace and Friendship, which Wallistaque Maliseet, Mi'kmaq, and Passamaquoddy peoples first signed with the British Crown in 1725. The treaties did not deal with the surrender of lands and resources, but in fact recognized Willistaque, Maliseet, Mi'kmaq, and Passamaquoddy title and established the rules what was to be an ongoing relationship between nations. Thank you, Laura. That's very nice. So now let's get into this podcast. Again, we're, we have Wade Wheaton here. Um, so Wade, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yes. So again, Wade Wheaton, and uh, I'm actually um, work for apprenticeship and occupational certification right now. But I'm actually Red Seal carpenter and have been since 1983. I started in the trade. Actually, we got my Red Seal in 1987 and spent about 16 years working in the trade with the tools. And then I uh, had an opportunity to go to teaching uh, at the community college in Moncton, uh, where I taught carpentry for about 13 years. And then uh, after that, I had an opportunity to kind of work for Apprenticeship New Brunswick. So needed a change and uh, took the opportunity. And then about four years ago, um, I was asked to take a new role within apprenticeship. And it's uh, basically looking after the First Nation communities in the province of New Brunswick, promoting the skilled trades as a career for youth uh, or anybody that's interested in the trades. So I, I basically travel to the communities and promote apprenticeship, uh, talk to anybody who wants to listen about the skilled trades. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So Wade, you've been doing this for a very long time then. <laughs> I have, and I actually taught in uh, Ilze Book, took uh, the apprenticeship blocks to training for about 10 years. So oh, wow, that's I've amazing. Quite a background. And, and I thought I had a background. <laughs> I was going to ask you, Gabe, how old you were in uh, 1987. I was um, minus 10. <laughs> Not there. to make you feel old or anything. Oh, <laughs> I know I'm old. <laughs> Are there any notable buildings in New Brunswick or anywhere else that we might recognize that you had uh, taken part in building? Um, I worked most of my career in, in Moncton, Moncton area. I, I actually started off building a lot of houses on spec in Moncton. So uh, just a little story. I remember taking my grandson through Moncton one day and we happened to drive through a subdivision where I built a lot of houses and I was showing my grandson you know Grampy built that house and that house and that house and that house and you know it, it was a lot of houses and my grandson looked at me and says Grampy you know so that was a that's that's good I mean a lot of houses and then I actually from there I, I moved into more uh, more industrial construction uh, mm -hmm. commercial projects so one one that I would probably stand out at me for sure would be in, in my hometown of Sackville, New Brunswick. Uh, I built a federal government building for the Canadian Wildlife Service, a uh, oh, very wow. elaborate building with some really cool roof lines, um, you know, a multi-million dollar project kind of thing that I job supered on. And uh, so that, in my hometown, that kind of stands out to me. Mm -hmm. Recently, I started doing, I still, I'm still very active in the trades, mm -hmm. weekends, uh, vacation time. I still like to work in a trade and I've kind of shifted gears where I do work for people that are that I choose to work for, yeah. that really want to do, um, you know, custom off the wall kind of work. So I really enjoy that artistic part now more 
so I get a lot of kick out of that, just being very artistic, trying different things, and, and basically trying to make someone's dream come true of what they want built. Mm -hmm. And it's always nice to talk about just like doing carpentry as a hobby because like there is art in trades, you know, building houses has its own aesthetics and, you know, there's plenty of stuff that goes in a house other than just like technically building a house. You want to make it look nice. You want it to be functional. There's just a lot of layers there. So that's really cool that you uh, talk a little bit about how you do it on the weekends just as a, something you enjoy doing. That uh, must but, be really fulfilling when you drive by like with your grandson and you see something that you built in um, just out of high school my husband had helped with building a convenience store and he still points it out I'm like I know <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my dad does something similar so he used to live out in New Hampshire and he used to be an iron worker when he was in his early 20s so we'd be driving around New Hampshire and he'd be like oh yeah well I built that building and I built that building I'm like dad that's really cool um, but like you said he kept pointing out the same five, six buildings. I'm like, Dad, you've been telling me this for like six years. Like, yeah, it's, <laughs> I know. It's really exciting, and that's just it is cool. puts into my mind how how you can climb in that in in the skilled trades and in industry. It doesn't mean that you're always going to be doing you know the dirty grunt work, repairs, and you know small projects. It can be as big or as small. Um, during that time, Wade, did you own your own company? I, I didn't really. I, I did a little bit of work on my own, don't get me wrong. Uh, I find myself, I really enjoy the tools working in the trade. Um, I, I know my weakness, and my weakness is not is, is probably business-oriented. I'm not a business person. I don't want to do, if you sit me in an office for more than an hour, I'd be, uh, I'd be going stir-crazy. I'm very much a high-energy uh, person, which, which fits into the trades really well. So not really. I'd rather just uh, do my own thing. Uh, with somebody else being the, the I can understand that yeah. it's so nice to be able to go do what you're best at and leave that stuff to other yeah. people that are professional in that area exactly all right that's awesome so uh, Wade like um, can you tell us more like what what is a skilled trade well, a skilled trade is, I mean, you know, everybody can kind of go to those skilled trades and say, you know, I want to be a carpenter, I want to be an electrician, I want to be a plumber, I want to be a mechanic. And then, you know, after that, you're kind of grasping at straws to say, what is a skilled trade? But actually, with an apprenticeship, we have actually 71 skilled trades that we, we represent in the province of New Brunswick. Not all of them are apprenticeshipable, but there's so many other good trades out there that, that you know, are good, like refrigeration mechanic, uh, you know, um, dynamite blaster is one we look after and you know another one that's very popular is a water treatment facilities uh, we look after that some new trades we have is a personal support care worker um, you know so there's all kinds of trades out there and I always kind of say it's surprising how many skilled trades we actually have and you know think beyond just those five or six that you can think of really really quickly mm -hmm. 71 is a lot of trades so it, out it of is. the 71, Wade, how many are would be a Red Seal trade? Um, I don't quote me on this, but I think there's about 53 or 51 that are that are actually Red Sealed. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the other ones are what we call uh, just a CQ, which is mm -hmm. a certificate of qualification. So if you have enough hours in that trade, you can actually challenge the Red Seal exam. You know, which which brings us to a lot of community members in in the Indigenous communities have that time in the trade so they could do a certificate of qualifications instead of going through the entire apprenticeship program so you know it's always good to talk to us about what you have in the past maybe we can help you out that way awesome so speaking of just like asking questions and you know how, how do you help indigenous people get into the apprenticeships 
Well, I, I try to, like, you know, between Laura and myself, we try to get into as many communities as we can mm-hmm. and, and get the word out. We do a presentation about apprenticeship and, and the skilled trades. That's a little more detailed than what we're talking about here today because there's a lot more to apprenticeship. Yeah. Um, and what I find is a lot of times we'll, we'll go into a community and we'll do a presentation and we may get one or two or three people. Um, but those two or three people will tell somebody else. And pretty soon the next time we go back, we have 10 or 12. Um, I know I've done some communities where I've gone back and had 24 people in front of us. So wow. I think getting the word into the communities about how apprenticeship works, advantage of the skilled trades, um, it's kind of like a progression thing. Uh, we get a few then we get a few more, and then word of mouth gets around the community, and, and that's what we need to do. We need to go there. We need to go back and go back again to get the word out so everybody understands how apprenticeship works. And we really need to dispel the myths about skilled trades and apprenticeship. Um, I've had people come to me. I think that's wonderful. I'd love to get in it, but I don't have ten grand to put into going to college or school to get my career started. Absolutely, Laura. That's I couldn't agree with you anymore. And uh, another thing we try to promote is is that you know you don't have to go to college necessarily for forty weeks, and be in school stuck in a school that you don't want to be in. Um, you know, a lot of people like to work with their hands, and that's the part they enjoy. So let's we can take that part out by doing what we call direct entry route into apprenticeship. So if a, if a youth or someone in the community can find a job within the skilled trades right off the bat out of high school, they can enter right into apprenticeship work for a year and then we pay 100% of the cost of their education so that that individual in the community who really wants to work with their hands Mm -hmm. we would promote them to go direct entry route into apprenticeship thanks Laura and the grand total of signing up as an indigenous apprentice I believe is $25 yeah so if a a community member wanted to become an apprentice um, they they need to find a job first and that's always you know the, the toughest part kind of thing but if you can find a job in that skilled trades that you're interested in, um, we take over from there, register you as an apprentice with a whopping $25 registration fee, um, and then you're on your way. And, and, you know, we explain the process after that. I mean, it's a little more complicated, but you need to basically have the job, keep the job, get registered as an apprentice, uh, basically work for one year, approximately 1,800 hours, which is a working year, and then we'll send you back to college to take your, your training, and we pay 100% of that cost. And you're usually in school. Um, instead of 40 weeks for a whole year, you're only in school anywhere from six to eight weeks, depending on the block of training and, and, and what trade you're taking. So you're, you know, if you're that person that wants to work beyond the tools all the time, less time in the classroom is a theory. It's a perfect fit for a lot of individuals. And I, I really love to hear that too, because like I know quite a few people who you know think about school and don't want to do like a I mean, I thought about university. I was like, I don't want to do a 15-page essay, and that, that held me back from pursuing an education for a long time. So just knowing that there's alternate ways to get into a career that, you know, there's still a little bit of education, but, like, you know, it, you know if you want to trades and you don't want to do a lot of school, you're only going to go to school for six weeks. It's really quick. Yeah, and, and just to build on that, Gabe, too, is a lot of, a lot of people that when you try to, try to learn the skill trade, I mean, a lot of us are hands-on learners. So if if we do it backwards like apprenticeship, where you get a chance to actually work with the tools and work with a mentor that that shows you those skills, when you do it in reverse and go back to school after you've got the skills, it makes more sense. You know, you see the theory now and it's like, oh, that's why we did that at the job site or that's why we did that a certain way. Um, So I think it makes the the theory learning easier for a lot of of individuals that... Mm -hmm. We do it in reverse. So you, you learn the skills, and then you learn the theory. Yeah. 
I agree, and and uh, you know, I didn't always thrive in in school situations, but when it's something that you're really interested in, school becomes much more exciting. So if you have to do eight weeks, and it's you know, I'm a a Red Seal chef, and I love cooking, and I love learning everything that I can about it. Even times now that I just uh, flip open my textbook and I'm able to go back and look at some things that uh, that maybe I'm interested in. Makes yeah. school go faster. First, I just want to mention this too. Like, it's really it's a privilege for me to be here uh, to sit with two qualified Red Seal uh, tradespeople. <laughs> it's like that's it's amazing. You guys are great. Um, Again, I don't have any kind of uh, Red Seal. I'm only certified to do office stuff. But um, I also work in the same kind of way where I I do a lot of tech stuff. I do a lot of, like, working with Microsoft Office and stuff. And I couldn't exactly, like, tell you exactly how to do something, but give me, like, two minutes to just walk myself through it. I know how it works. I just need to see. I need to use my hands first. Yeah. Then. So you make me think of a story now. So, you know, yeah. I've done a lot of work. In, in trades over the years, as you can as you can imagine, I've done work for uh, I did work for a doctor uh, who's uh, probably one of the best heart surgeons in in New Brunswick, or if not Canada. And you know, when you do work for him and, and you do something that he wants you to build, he always says to me, "Wait, I don't know how you do that. Like that's so amazing that you can do that." And here's a guy that can you know put a needle in your vein of your arm and go up and fix your heart. Yeah. And he's got the same respect for, for what we do in the skilled trades. So, you know, absolutely, I agree. You know, I watch mechanics work, and I'm going, how do you do that? And I'm envious of them. But it's kind of, I guess I get it back to me as well because I do something and someone will go, wow, I can't believe you can do that. Yeah, That's right. And that leads me to ask the question, not all people are designed or made to be in the skilled trades. I believe there's a skilled trade for ev anyone with the list that we have. But I do have a daughter that's... Um, pursuing medical school, and that's a lot of years in, mm -hmm. in classroom time. But, you know, she's a studier and she's used to that. A lot of people think that people in skilled trades don't have to be smart. They definitely have to be smart. Absolutely, Laura, and you know, it's, it's the old cliche, right? I think there's an academic brain and there's a trade brain, mm -hmm. and uh, they don't work exactly alike. Um, yeah, me, myself, you know, sit me in a, in a university, I never went to university. I actually, I'm lying. I did go to university. I got my teaching degree after I got my skill trade. So, but I don't academically. I'm not strong. Never was strong even in high school. Um, I'm sure if some of my high school teachers come back and said, you know, I can't believe Wade is actually teaching at a community college or done when he's done because academically I was never strong. But a lot of times when you get into any skilled trades and you actually start seeing the math skills and stuff you were taught in high school to a actually practical experience it makes that learning of the math a lot easier for example and uh you know yeah for sure so academically i'm not strong but i think in my trade i do okay a uh, second part of that question that i wanted to ask we are seeing a lot more females coming into the skilled trades how do you feel about that that's a good question, Laura. Um, actually, you're talking to a guy who's very supportive of any female underrepresented group that wants to enter into the skilled trades, but especially on the female side. I'm a firm believer that, um, you know, I talked briefly earlier about being very artistic and, and some, wanting to do things that are very, um, someone's dream come true. I, I believe thoroughly that women have a lot more attention to detail than a male, um, you know, in the most part anyway. And I think a woman has a really good touch uh, on being very creative, more so than a, than a male. 
to make someone's dream come true. They can kind of see more of the visual part of what everything needs to happen. Uh, so yeah, I really think there's a great, great uh, opportunity for women in, the, in any skill trade. Yeah, actually, we're doing a three trades orientation now, and um, our best, our best uh, students right now are women. Like our top three, like I believe two of them are women. I hope yep. the guys aren't listening to this podcast right now. I hope not either. <laughs> Might be some hurt feelings. Yeah, we'll keep this little secret. <laughs> now, Wade, what, as an employer, um, what are people looking for when an apprentice comes in and uh, is asking to be an apprentice in their company? Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of, it's changed now. I mean, we hear on the radio all the time, you know, there's a skilled trade shortage. Um, that's been going on for the last few years, and that's not going to go away. So there's kind of a little bit of a shift as far as I'm concerned that employers now are not really saying, you know, what do you have for skills? How good are you at electrical? How good are you at plumbing? You know, they're, they're basically saying is, you know what, if you want to come to work every day, show up every day and work hard, I'll teach you the skills. I'll give you what you need to be a good tradesperson. Just please show up every day, put the effort in, work hard, um, and we'll go from there. So it's kind of a complete shift that, that we're not used to dealing with. But direct entry route and apprenticeship is definitely, you know, more employers are leaning that way today because I, I want to teach you the way I want right from the start, not, not get bad habits before you come in. So Wade, we work in Indigenous communities and with a lot of Indigenous people interested in skilled trades. What kind of benefits and reasons do you have for Indigenous people and what kind of resources are there out there for them? Um, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for in Indigenous uh, apprentices to, to work right in the community. I mean, you know, housing is always looking for people. There's houses being need to be done. Uh, there's renovations uh, and so on. And there's actually some of the trades that aren't even offered in the community that if someone could get that skilled trade and bring it back in the community, uh, it's going to help the community for many, many years to come. Um, also, there's opportunities, you know, for anybody in the communities to work off off community, so they could work uh, anywhere's in the province. Uh, you know, there's opportunities to do fly in, fly out, out of, out of provinces. But you know, it's always nice to work in the community as well. I agree. That's often mentioned as one of the barriers that First Nations um, people and community is about leaving their community. Um, I never lived on reserve, but I did move to British Columbia for three years, and I was a wreck. I just missed my home. I missed my family. I missed my community. Yeah, I, I think I and I think I I understand that. I, I, I kind of get that that people want to stay in the community, and uh, so I, I kind of try to support and promote you know working in the community. You know, we need lots of housing in the communities. There's lots of work in the communities. We just need to kind of work together to, to make that happen for anybody who wants to be an apprentice in the skilled trades. And, and uh, anyway, we have a lot of work to do in it, but we're working at it. I just, I like to hear that there's options. Because, like, you know, Laura's never lived, um, like, in community, but has lived in, uh, like, her own community. Mm -hmm. um, and she's always preferred to work, you know, where home is. You know, I'm from Listigich, and I'm living in Fredericton right now, and I... I do like living off community. Like someday I'm, I'm going to go back to Listigooch and I'm going to retire. And that's how, you know, my end of my life is going to be. But I do like having the opportunity to also leave. So just knowing that there's like flyout options for different yeah. trades is it's just great to know. Yeah. I th you know, again, I, I've never left my own community. You know, I, I lived in Sackville my whole life. I've never lived more than four kilometers away from my original house. Uh, so I guess I'm a homebody as well. But, you know, 
have I had op I've had options to go away? I just didn't take them, you yeah. know. I think a great thing to add too is, like for you, Gabe, leaving uh, Listigich, but you're coming here to another community, so it almost feels like you know a home away from home. You're still around, you know, people that are are like minded, and everybody in our office is uh, pretty cool and pretty welcoming. And my daughter couldn't wait to get away from a small town and go off to university. Another daughter of mine went to uh, Ottawa to, to work for a while, and sometimes you don't realize how special your community is until you come back to it. Absolutely. Like, um, I mean, just my experience. And, like, St. Mary's and the Fredericton area has definitely been feeling a little bit more like home to me since I've moved here in 2021. But, you know, it now it feels like an extra treat when I go home, when I go home for powwows or go home to visit family. It It just adds just a little bit of charm, so... Um, you know, should, we should put a little plug in there about the powwows. Our powwow list has just been announced, and uh, Gabe and myself, and we may even see Wade at one or two this summer. Um, powwows around New Brunswick. Yeah. Oh, our, the whole Jedi office. We all take turns to go to powwows and really uh, advertise our services and our opportunities. Uh, Laura and I also have our three trades orientation, so we offer that to like post-secondary age people. We're looking around uh, to get into other communities right now. Um, but yeah, you might be seeing and hearing more from us. We have our trailer launch coming up uh, very soon. We are, we're going to have a lot of hands-on uh, demos and games. There's going to be a free barbecue, and that's going to be right here in St. Mary's at the Powwow Grounds. And some cool Building Your Future t-shirts. Oh, yes, we have t-shirts. But um, back on the topic at hand, yes. just just to, just to get <laughs> back into the real topic of our podcast for this week, uh, Wade, just, um, you know, we talked a lot about um, opportunities coming up and just what your experiences are. But I also just wanted to know, back when you were a full-time carpenter, like, what, what did your typical day look like? Because you're doing something much different than, like, being a typical carpenter, but... Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, I, t I think a typical day at work is kind of, I, I always say, I always like to start my day off with, I, I always call them a tailgate meeting kind of thing, where you just get in there in the morning, you know, 15 or 20 minutes before you start your day, kind of have a coffee and talk about what we're going to do today. Number one, talk about maybe some safety stuff. You know, I, I kind of get in the habit of doing that. Okay, we're doing this today. You know, we're going to do this and that today. Just be work safe, work smart. Um couple jokes have some fun and then you know get at it and uh you know work as a team is the biggest thing you know making sure that you you're working with someone and you're passing on your skills to the younger to the younger group that's what i would always enjoyed the most at work was just showing my skills to someone younger so that would be a typical day but you know it's it's to you know put the put the pedal to the metal and get to work let's get stuff done and then at the end of the day, it's always rewarding to look back. And I always, I still do this to this day, no matter what I do. I have to stand back 50 or 60 feet and look at what I did. It's more of a habit than anything. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, there's nothing more rewarding at the end of the day than looking back at what you started at 8 o'clock in the morning at 4.30, say, look what we did. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's hard work. It's physical work. Um, if you're not scared to work, you're always going to have something to do, though. That's good. That's good. I like the idea of you just taking a step back and like looking at the bigger picture of like the project and just seeing the progress. Yeah, I, um, I, I work with people and I'll say, you know, did you did you look at that on the way home last night? No, I just drove up the driveway. How can you do that? I, I have to stand back and look at it. Yeah. And it's so funny, too, that you mentioned like teaching the younger generation too. like it. It makes total sense to me that you were a teacher, that you were an instructor. You well, know? Thank you. Um, you know, we talked about academia and stuff and 
it's really important that you know not everyone is like academically um, gifted or like you know not everyone enjoys doing that but and despite that we still have people who enjoy teaching who come from a background that's not necessarily like uh, more academic you know Wade, you didn't spend four to eight years in university and there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And yet you're such a great teacher and you're, you know, very personable and you're, you know, you communicate very well. Um, again, it, it doesn't surprise me that you were an instructor in the past. Yeah, thank you. You know, and I do try to be, you know, passionate with, with what I even do today. You know, sometimes you just fit into a job that you get lucky about and i think being given the opportunity apprenticeship giving me the opportunity to work in the first nation communities in the province of brunswick is i take it very seriously and uh, i try to pass on my passion for the trades to anybody who wants to listen to me in the communities and in saying that you know if there's any community anybody out there's listening to this podcast today saying you know how do i get more information about apprenticeship because there's so much more to it I don't know if you can leave my phone number or my email at the end of this podcast, but I, you know, please, anybody who wants to reach out to me or Laura or Jedi about more information on the skill trades and what we have to offer, please reach out because I will do one-on-ones. I will talk to anybody about the advantages of, of skill trades. And there's nothing wrong with me finding someone that finds out that, you know, the skill trades is not for me. That's important, too, because you could start off saying, I think I'm going to like it, but then find out that it's not for you. Yeah, and that's fine. And I, I will talk to our editor about having all your information right into the description of today's episode because, um, again, these podcasts are aimed towards bringing more awareness. We want to help everyone we can to get into apprenticeship if, again, if that's your thing. Uh, we have a three trades orientation going on right now, and we had a couple of students withdraw within the first two weeks. And, like, you know, there's no hard feelings there. I'm just happy they had the opportunity to come in and just like get their hands a little bit dirty and be like, you know what, I, I didn't like this. It's yeah. it's better to know than to not know. Absolutely. And, you know, in, in saying that, Gabe, um, you know, I've seen this before because I used to teach in the college, you know, where a student comes to college for 40 weeks of a complete one-year program and spent ten, twelve, fifteen thousand $15,000 to find out they didn't like the trades. Yeah. So, you know, these these shorter, uh, the, the step programs we do through MAP Strategic Services are very important too because you could spend maybe only 14 or 16 weeks in school to find out that you don't like the trades. Or you can spend 14 or 16 weeks in that same program and find out that you love the trade. Yeah. And, and you want to go further with it and, you know, it's it works both ways kind of thing. Yeah. It, like just having that hands-on opportunity really tells you like, this is what you're doing and this is what you can expect. And now you can decide whether you like that or not. That's right. Yeah. So just a couple other questions. We're going to probably wind down this episode very soon. But um, so what trades are in demand right now well, in New Brunswick? Yeah, I, I think you know, it's safe to say that pretty much all the trades are in demand. And I don't think, again, I don't think that's going to go away. I don't like that question per se because I don't like to tell a person, oh, you know, there's plumbing is a high demand right now, so you should be a plumber. Um, although plumbing is a hot trade right now. Yeah. Um, I always try to tell or, or promote that, you know, try to find a trade that you think you have a passion for, that you think you're going to like. Yeah. Um, and, you know, kind of you'll never work another day in your life because you, if you love what you do, it's not like work. So really to answer the question, I guess I got to say all the trades are in high demand. Mm-hmm. Um, if I could wave a magic wand and, and direct somebody, I think most of the communities that I see in the province of New Brunswick are lacking, you know, plumbers, electrician, uh, air conditioning, and mechanics. And if we could get more of those in the communities, I think it's going to help the community, you know, 
for many, many years to come. But find a, find a trade you like, get the passion for it, and move from there. And that, that's that's so great that you talk about passion. You and I actually had a conversation about passion one day at, um, I believe we were in St. Andrews for a job uh, job fair. Um, passion does go a long way. Um, just knowing that you like to do it and you feel so strongly about it, you mentioned that it's not work. I still, personally, I would consider it work, but when you are so passionate about it, it feels so rewarding at the end of the day. I like coming home at the end of the day and I, I'm really close to my roommate, and I'm like, hey, this is what I did today, and I I did this, this, and this, and I felt like I made a difference in my community. Um, having that passion is such an important component to, well, any work, really. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's Thank right. Um, one thing, too, I wanted to mention, Wade, um, I know you have children, and and I have children, and one of my most rewarding moments was when one of my daughters went on to follow in my footsteps mm -hmm. and get her red seal. Yeah. Um, I think you know how that feels. Absolutely. Um, so what do you think is the best part about being in the trades for you? I, I think the best part for me personally is, uh, you know, the, the physical part I find is an outlet for me. I, I kind of, if I get, I find it myself, I, I'm not saying it's a mental health issue or anything like that, but it could be. I get kind of balled up if I'm, if I'm not active. I get really balled up inside. So just the physical part I find is really rewarding for me. It's kind of hard to explain that. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, at the end of the day, like I mentioned earlier, you know, when you can look back at something you built, someone's idea of a dream they had in their house or their home or something they want it built, and you delivered that, and they're they're and they're super happy, and and I think that's one of the most rewarding parts of what I do. I I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. awesome. It's been really wonderful having you in today, Wade, and and talking about all of your knowledge in the skilled trades and we know that you're a very caring and very good person and you've helped us out a lot and we look forward to continuing in the future well thank you very much laura and you know it, it's actually my pleasure to be here really and uh you know it's not just about about wade wheaton and apprenticeship it's about you know jedi um, the maps jesus services every all the all the working groups that we have that we do in the province and skills yeah skills, skills canada i mean it can goes on and on if you look at the the entire team, which we, we talk about this all the time, you know, the team, which is everybody sitting in this room with me right now, we all have the same passion and the same drive and the same ambition uh, to help Indigenous youth uh, get into the skilled trades. And, and it, it oozes out of every one of us. So it's not just about me, it's about Jedi and everybody else within this team. That's right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Wade. So just before we end our episode for today, just you want to drop your... Uh, where you're at, you want to just say your email, if can contact you at, just so. I, I sure can. So if anybody wants to contact me directly, email me at uh, wade, W-A-D-E, dot Wheaton, W-H-E-A-T-O-N, at G-N-B dot C-A. Awesome. Again, thank you so much, Wade. And of no course, welcome. thank you to all of our listeners uh, for tuning in today. It's been a pleasure. I'm hoping you're really enjoying our podcast. We have more to come in the future. Uh, again, we're always bringing in guest speakers, and um, it's a real privilege to uh, have this opportunity. Yeah, reach out to us, too. If there's anything that you want us to cover or discuss, we look forward to hearing from you. And, of course, like, comment, and subscribe. I don't know if we do that, but like, comment, and subscribe. Yeah, ring that bell. Ring that <laughs> <laughs> um, Thank you so much, and have a great day, everyone. Bye.